You got a marvelous vibe, and I know it starts from inside. So fill your heart with pride and let your light shine brightly. Your own hide. You're a work of art, unforgettable and off the charts. Welcome to a podcast dedicated to your mental health. I'm Bailey with the Recording Library of West Texas. Hi, I'm Christy Edwards. I'm the Executive Director and a therapist at Centers for Children and Families. Hi, I'm Melanie Size. I'm the Marketing and Development Director at Centers for Children and Families. Together, we're bringing you tips and tricks on how to navigate this thing called life. This is Center Solutions. Due to the nature of some of the topics that are discussed, listener discretion is advised. We have such an important episode today because we have a nurse who's been working front lines in a COVID-19 unit since the start of the pandemic. So we'd like to invite Heather Hale on the show to tell us her story. Hi, Heather. Hello. How are y'all? Doing well. So give us give us a little background. And of course, Christy and Melanie are here. Hey, Heather's been a, a friend of mine for a very, very long time. And so I know her in a different way, and I'm really interested in learning about her experience right now because I know her to be a very uh, honest and candid person, and um, this is uh, something I've been looking forward to, frankly. Oh, well, thank you. Um, So I think we maybe can start with um, Heather posted something on Facebook, and it really spoke to me. I think she's put some postings that have uh, been shared a lot. Um, and it's good to hear from someone who's actually having the experience. We can all have our opinions and our ideas and judgments, but if, if you're not in it, I don't think you really get a grasp for what it's like. And I believe it's very important to understand the plight of people that are working in the hospital right now in these units and what that looks like and how that affects mental health, which is, of course, our connection. Um, so, Heather, would you mind reading your post? Um, sure. I had probably the most difficult shift of my career yesterday. I hope everyone understands that for my own mental health, I'm going to have to start blocking people who are posting claims about government conspiracy, obsessing over numbers, and arguing about things I can't handle. Please know... This does not mean I don't care about you. Part of me wants to educate you in order to protect you and your loved ones from this virus. Today, I realize I have to let go and let God. If you or a loved one become ill, I am still here for you. You may call me even if I have blocked you. No judgment. I just can't handle seeing and doing what I do with all of this misinformation in my feed. I can't be in two marathons. May God bless you all. Um, that was just awesome, I think, to read is exactly what a lot of us are dealing with. I think when we look at our social media feeds, we talk about this all the time, how you get inundated with information and arguments. And it's overwhelming. So I can't even imagine what it must be like uh, when you're working in this world and you you see and you know from from what you're faced with on a daily basis and then have to deal with the social media aspect of it must be really tremendously difficult. (laughs) And I find myself wanting to, you know, respond to people that are, I think Melanie, I said, it's you, you find yourself wanting to respond to people's stupidity. And I'm thinking they don't, aren't really trying to be that way on purpose, but 
it comes across that way. So there's times that I just have to shut down social media because I can't, I can't deal with that anymore. So to yes. actually actively work in that and then to have to hear all of those, all of those, that misinformation, uh, that gets spread so easily, I think it would be tremendously hard not to, to respond. Absolutely. Yeah, it really is. I feel, um, I, I feel kind of a responsibility for it because a lot of these people, you know, they, they watch all of our culture right now, watches this continuous news feed and you, you have opinions over which news station gives you the accurate things, but all of them are doing it over and over and over and the same stories over and over. And it's, a, it's, it's brainwashing. I mean, it, it, it just is. And, um, I stopped watching the news. Uh, about a year ago and I just, I read, you know, different articles and I see different points of view and, and I, I don't want to, I can't handle that stress anymore. But when you have somebody that keeps saying things and you're trying to explain, okay, those numbers, I don't care if that's not accurate, that there's a human being there, you know, and, and mm-hmm. when you see those human beings, I've been trying to convey that, that, okay, what I'm saying is right here, right now in Midland, not in New York, not in Italy, not anywhere else. You know, this is what's going on, but I can't, uh, I can't do that anymore. I have to focus on this battle because that's the battle I've been kind of trying to do a little bit in between. And I just, I, I can't handle that anymore, uh, personally. Yeah. So Heather, can you walk us through some of the most difficult moments that you experience when you're dealing with patients that are in, in an extreme, an extremely critical place and, and how quickly it can evolve? from what doesn't seem visibly so critical. Yeah, without giving too much uh, information, I wouldn't want any families to to feel like I'm talking about their loved ones, of course, but they're, they're scared. You know, everybody is afraid, and we show up, and we have our, our smiles on, and we're trying to be soothing and calm because we're their, their window to the out, outside world. You know, we have to, we have, to have that. You have to be a sort, yeah, you have to be a source of comfort on top of all of the other things, which nurses are typically a source of comfort, but there's no family members there. So right. that adds to, uh, that adds to your responsibility and how it has got to affect your, uh, emotional state. It does. Um, we always connect with people that this kind of, Nurse comes from the word nurture. You know, I mean, it, it, we have real connections with people, and um, we like to have a, a repeated shift. So, like, if I have a shift on the med surge COVID unit, I want to be on that same that same unit the next day, so that, so that I know who my patients are. I know more than just the report that I got. You know, I I I know what they were doing yesterday, and I, I can see it a little bit easier. Um, but you really, really connect with these people. Um, but I, I had the experience where we went from having a discussion of uh, a DNI to uh, hospice and then a visitation, uh, you know, a video conference to a death within a shift. And it wears on you. And then to come home and think, I need to just look at some, some memes. You know, I need to look at some pictures of uh-huh. that and, and then pull up people saying, you know, these numbers are wrong and this lab posted this wrong and this number is wrong and just gets to be too much because I'm like, this is a human being. I now have one of those numbers on that screen 
that was an amazing, amazing human being. I mean, all of those numbers were amazing human beings in our community. They were somebody's loved ones. And I think that we're not seeing a lot of people that are posting about, you know, their loved ones because, I mean, how do you, how would you like to try to defend that to people that are thinking all this is fake or made up or that it's all to get somebody kicked out of office? I don't understand uh, the paranoia of, or the importance of that over human, you know, over a human life. I think a lot of times we don't really understand things until they affect us personally as a society. And it's, it's a shame. It's unfortunate, but, um, I think Heather was, uh, definitely around with me when I, when we had to put my, my kid on a ventilator for a car accident. And one of the things that I'll, I'll always think about, and I've, I've brought this up many times is if you don't understand the severity of it, if you've not seen it, and you realize, and back then, I mean, it wasn't like he shared that space with anyone, you know, and it was terrifying. And so this is a real, um, it's real. And what the nurses do to keep the families comfortable even, and, and now that that's not a possibility, what is that like having this isolation now that family members cannot be in the hospital, like on all levels? Um, it, it's the... Um Honestly, it, it's really hard. So, you know, you have to have these difficult discussions, and um, then I have to contact the family and break it to them. And, of course, you don't know how how they're going to take it, and there's always going to be crying because you're basically telling someone that they're not going to come home. Um, and that's, that is a hard conversation. And while you're doing this, you might have a, a patient that is having strokes, you know, or, you know, like many strokes, or you might have another patient that has, um, has horrible diarrhea and all the horrible, wonderful things that come with that, that, you know, nurses make a, a lot of <laughs> jokes about that. We shouldn't joke about that. But, um, you know, there's a lot of issues that, um, we can't, we can't control and, and it all builds up and you think, am I spending time in this one? Am I doing enough time? Because this might be his last moments. Mm-hmm. Am I spending enough time in, in this room um, for emotional support? I mean, it, it, it's a it's a big responsibility. Um, so hospice is called in, and we look at at comfort care. And normally, when we do hospice, we'll do like a, a two liter nasal cannula just to give them enough oxygen to feel comfortable as they pass away. But um, when you can't breathe, um, you go into a panic. We choose to kind of keep them, you know, as comfortable as we can, and um, but we we try as much as possible to, you know, keep them as comfortable as we can, and, and give them everything they can have to to not panic from this. But it, it's terrifying for them, and it's terrifying for us, and um, and to to have to do a video conference you know, with a family member, you know, to say goodbye and uh, just the toll that that takes. Um, you also see the responsibility. Um, like I'm responsible for this one human being in this bed or these four human beings on this floor. And then you have the next step would be the physician that is, in, that is also having to consider all the people in the community. And then you have administration that's considering anyone that is near the hospital is a, a, a 
physician or a, an employee or a family member you know, or a, a, a worker, people working on our roof, um, anybody. I mean, they're responsible for that and for the transmission of this throughout the community. And it, it goes along with everything that's going on through the U.S. And, I, you know, I follow a lot of boards and it, it's the same because when you have these big peaks, all it takes is just a couple. And it, I mean, we're, I, I think we're already to that point right now where it's kind of irreversible. Um, we just need to slow it down a little bit because everything that we did this weekend is going to be in two weeks. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, right now we're still, we're still taking the, the lash from Memorial Day. We're still dealing with that. And in, in people's defense, I mean, I, I don't want them to feel guilty or feel like we're shaming them. Um, because I thought I was finished with a sprint. I, I was a swimmer back in the day, you know, and I know a lot of people run. And so maybe this analogy works, but, um, it's kind of like, we see this coming. We're doing really well. We're going to really, really hope it was over in the summer. And so we sprinted and sprinted and did all this extra work and sweated and, and said, I'm exhausted, but it's going to be okay because I'm going to get it over with. I'm not going to go here or here because it's okay. I'm going to get over this. I have a kid that lives out of town that I didn't get to see. Um, things that you're you're thinking, that's all right. I'm just postponing it. And then summer gets here and it gets worse. Like mm-hmm. not just a little worse. It's way worse. And you realize that you just went all out on a hundred when you have to go a mile. And, and when you reach that point, like when, when I slam and you'd reach that point where you're like, what? I have to do it again. You know, where you run and you go around the corner and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm nowhere near. It, it knocks the air out of you. I mean, there's a, a huge mental game where you have to adapt and, and push. And it's, it's extremely difficult. Oh, I think a lot of us are uh, experiencing that feeling. It's kind of a fatigue. It's it's the quarantine fatigue. It's the 2020 fatigue. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's there's a lot. We have so much going on. Um, I would like to ask what is what does your routine look like when you're transitioning from your shift? That's always interesting. Uh, <laughs> um, well, it's uh, it's funny. When this first started, um, you know, you read all these things and of course, you know, you learn a little bit more. You know, we've got new updates every day for that first few weeks. It was, it was crazy. But, um, for a while I had set up my camper in the front yard and I was going to be sleeping in the camper. And it was still cool enough where I could do that because I don't have the, 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 the plug or whatever it requires. My husband told me what it needs to be able to work in the driveway, but we couldn't hook the air conditioner up because we didn't have the right power source. But, um, so we had it set up and I was going to sleep in this stinky old camper that where he had rotten eggs in the fridge. <laughs> and, uh, so I come home, I text him ahead of time and saying, I'm coming. I go in through the back gate, uh, walk up to where my back bedroom is. We have a, a hot tub and I completely disrobe, um, put everything out and spread out on top of that. And then I spray it off with, um, I have Lysol Sentiva. It smells very nice. But uh, I also kind of clean things as I go throughout the day and, and wrap up like cell phone and things like that. But um, I lay it all out. And this was my first day coming back. And then I, I walk into through my back door and he already has the shower going for me, my husband. And he has it set as hot as you can get. So I have the room very, very steamy. Um, I turn the shower down a little bit so I can step in there, um, but I still have that steam where I feel like it's going into my lungs, you know, it's opening up my lungs and everything, and I, I start washing. Um, I personally use lava soap uh, because it's exfoliating also. Um, 
and I just want to make sure that nothing's on my skin. I know some people use antibiotics uh, or antibacterial, but uh, viruses are a lot smaller than bacteria from, you know, what I remember from my classes, you know, in the micro. So uh, the chances of doing that were, were little. Since then, I'm not as worried about about that um, as mm-hmm. been coming out with studies, but I still go through those measures just to make sure because I know they might turn turn around and say no. But um, so I strip that down. I, you know, I wash my face very, very well. Um, and of course, my hair. I use a, a a stripping agent on my hair also. Um, so I have a complete decon before I get out of the shower and have dinner. So usually my dinner is about nine o'clock at night. You know, yeah, I was going to say. So about how long does that all take? It seems like I mean that's a, that's a whole other extra ordeal that you were not accustomed to prior. To yeah, that, uh, sure. That alone is probably a good twenty minutes. Um, just changing that now that I've kind of gotten into into that ordeal. Shower, dry off, and I pretty much put on pajamas, so I'm not going to go anywhere. And um, and then go eat like leftovers, or sometimes he'll have steaks that he was going to make until he has it timed for when I get home because he has extra gold stars this year. <laughs> He's always had extra gold stars, but don't tell him it gets into his ego, you know. But uh, <laughs> we won't let him listen to the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> edit that, please. No. <laughs> Well, but, uh, oh, that's so so much, so much change. Um, how are you going into the? I mean, all of that's very physical, and obviously your experiences with your with the the souls that you encounter, because that's truly what it is. They're human, they're people, and they're not numbers. How about uh, the conversation about emotional well being and what are you saying? And then. Christy, definitely you can pop in and uh, when you talk to other nurses and you guys are, are obviously have some time to commiserate and talk about what's going on, what do you think the emotional climate is? That is a good question because that's um, it, it, it's something it varies throughout people. Most of the time, everyone is feeling really close to what I feel. Um, we are, um, I think as a group, we're all, everything that I kind of hear everyone talking about is that we're all realizing that this is, uh, this is here and we, and it's uncertain. And it's something that we all kind of came to terms with the fact that we were probably going to be positive. The dose that you get of being exposed is, um, it's kind of like a poison. You know, if you get a low dose, you're going to get sick. If you get a high dose, you're going to get really sick. Um, and so like we were in N95 and in the COVID rooms and that literally means 95% of the particles are being filtered through that mask. And I've been safe for four months. You know, I mean, that's what we've been using. Um, but then you have people that are on like a high flow, uh, cannula and then they get that, that buildup of, uh, of carbon dioxide, and then they might have to go to a BiPAP, which some people are familiar with, with the BiPAP and the CPAP that you sleep with. Um, mm-hmm. But that aerosols all of the uh, particles that you have in your lungs. And so that room is like 30 times more toxic. But we have everything on negative pressure. You know, that, that's the normal thing. But you're walking in as a nurse, and you have doctors that, that won't go in that room. You have, they don't just have your patient. They have other patients. And if they go into that room, plus another one, plus another one, we're out of position. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a big thing. And it was similar to the priest issue. Like we have a handful of priests. We can't 
we can't expose them and risk losing a priest. Exactly. And um, and I don't want to say no. No one looks at nurses as being expendable. I mean, don't get me wrong, but but it's kind of like guys, we need you to go in and do the assessment so we can watch you through the window and verify all these things. And so there's this point where you realize, you know, huh, no, they're doing everything they can to, to keep us safe. And I know I'm doing everything I can to keep me safe. But, but there's a level that you realize I am going to get this. And not only that, but then there's that responsibility of realizing, can I hug my child? You know, yeah. can I kiss my husband goodnight? That was when I came home that first night and I did all those you know, all those things and stripping down, I went outside into the backyard and I'm just sitting in the back porch looking at my stupid five foot chicken that I have you know, and thinking this is just kind of a surreal moment. You know, I'm I'm about to be completely alone. I've had my first COVID patients. I'm going to go live in a, in a camper in my front yard. This is what I'm I'm thinking is my new life. And I sat out there for about an hour and a half just kind of processing. And my husband knocked on the back window and just just waved at me and I kind of shook my head no you know and he just waved at me and he walked out into the backyard and he said we're risking it I'm sorry I, I can't let you go through this alone you know and this is oh. a choice that he made personally and you know then I have to think but what about kids you know what about this and he's just like we're, we're gonna risk it it's okay you know you're going through this we're gonna go through this we're we're a family but you know I, then I feel like I have to warn everybody that we go around you know I'm a COVID nurse you know you know I'm a COVID nurse like I should be wearing a big red C on my shirt you know <laughs> There has to be a, a trade, you know, like we can't, like, I don't want to shut the economy down again. I don't want to, you know, not see loved ones. I, I had nursing home patients that, that fortunately did get to leave some of them. And, and it, all they talked about was family, talked about how wonderful it was to, to see them, you know, on FaceTime and things like that, things like that, that really make a difference that we take for granted. I had a little patient that I had on the COVID unit um, a, a while back, and uh, I walked in. And he was going to be discharged, and I had told him, and he, so he got dressed and everything, and then he was sitting, and he'd been there for like three weeks. I mean, he's been there for a long time, and he was sitting perched on the back of the, the couch in there and uh, with his face pressed against the window, and I walked in, and I said, you look like a little cat. What are you doing? You know, and I was kind of laughed, and, and he laughed, and he said, I just wanted to feel the sun on my face. Um, I just, I can't wait to get home and feel the sun on my face. And you think about those little things that we take for granted and we have to look for those joys and we can't let the virus win that. We just have to, we have to take precautions and make everything an, an educated risk and weigh it and keep reminding us, you know, ourselves of that. Well, and I'll, I love what you're doing to keep yourself positive because, you know, I'm sitting here thinking um, we we tell people as therapists all the time, you've got to make sure you're being able to, you know, kind of refill yourself up with, you know, with, with time with family or with your, you know, your people of faith or whatever. And right now that's actually being denied to you. So having to reach way, 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 way down in, in your gut to pull it out and do that. And I'm thinking, I don't know how strong I am. I hope I would be able to do what you're doing. But so I uh, have great respect for that, for you. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where you don't realize uh, the limitations that you had. Finding new, you're finding new bottoms and you're also finding new highs. Um, so it's, it's kind of weird. My, my faith has been really strong. It's, it's weird because I'm Catholic and I have not gone, gone to Mass um, since all this started. So since spring break. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because I... You know, again, you know, I, I feel like I'm probably going to be okay, you know, if I go, that I'm not 
positive right now, but I don't know. I could, I could be a loaded weapon. You know, I don't know. So I can't pass that on to my community. I can't be in a small closed in room with people that may or may not care if, that I've done it, not knowing the risk of it, you know, not being fully aware of it. Um, and so, but my faith, um, I have a, a St. Jude ca- uh, chaplet that I've been praying uh, that has been helping me quite a bit. Uh, St. Jude is the patron saint of uh, um, hopelessness, and which is why they named that hospital. You know that because that's it's one of those things where there's it's, there's nothing left. You know, please help with nothing that we can't can't control this. Um, so I think a relying in a higher power is always um, a good outlet. Um, I have. Uh, I have the fortune of having uh, some priests that I directly text uh, that I've, I've gained friendships with uh, throughout the years, and I can ask professional questions as well as what is the ethics about this. And I can ask those questions and feel like I have a good uh, response. And uh, honestly, there's a lot of uh, the fellow nurses. Uh, we work as a team, and like when I had my really down day, the woman, Maria, that I was working with, uh, she carried me through it. She just kept telling me that I was I was doing everything right. I'm doing it well. Um, when we have a bad day, everybody kind of steps in and, and helps and says, what, what can I do to help? You know, where can I pass some meds for you? Can I do this? And the patients themselves have been amazing. They understand generally. You know, they know those moments that they have a really hard time. And then you might not come in for over an hour. You know, you're, you're trying to check in on them, and you'll just say, I'm sorry, I, I was in another room. And they'll be like, I totally understand. You're in here when I need you, you know. And that alone has helped amazingly, you know. I mean, just uh, just people being real and understanding is, I mean, I think that that's, that's the light, and that's where I know that we're going to win. Well, and, you know, Melanie is wanting me to kind of address, you know, the mental health connection and coping mechanisms and everything. And I think, you know, uh, Heather, you've just laid it out beautifully. It's like, you know, knowing what you need to do, trusting that you're doing what you need to do, reaching out for help whenever you need it, um, you know, find the time to just sit and relax and, you know, being able to reach out to people that you trust. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, as a, as a nurse, you do all the things as often as you can, you know, like getting, taking care of your own physical health, you know, getting enough sleep, staying hydrated, getting some rest, uh, I mean, getting some exercise, eating a healthy diet, um, and just hearing how you're staying connected with people. I'm like, I think you get an A in how to handle everything that you're doing right now. Um, and well, plus, thank you. just trusting, uh, trusting your training, trusting in God, trusting, um, or in believing that we're going to get through this and that there there will be an end to it at some level for all of us. Mm-hmm. So, good yeah, job. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I've, it's, uh, it's really, there's so many things. I think you've given us so many things to think about um, because it, it's just an example that even when you're a professional, whatever, in whatever capacity you, we, we don't know what to do. You do your best and that's as much as you can do. It's not realistic to isolate yourself from all people all the time. And so we are all kind of in that challenge. And so it makes me kind of understand why people are just, you know, sort of done with it, especially if they're removed from this kind of realness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's important that we um, 
really stop and take a look at what our healthcare workers and our first responders and, and people on those front lines are experiencing because this weighs on, this has to weigh on people in so many, on so many levels, mental health wise. Um, and that's why, you know, we, we think it's such an important conversation. Uh, as I know we've mentioned centers is now providing counseling to all healthcare workers and first responders battling COVID-19. Um, and we have some, uh, really awesome foundations, Barber Foundation and Yarborough Foundation that are helping, like partnering with us on that. We want to help those that are helping us. Because without all of you, we will be relying on all of you to guide us through this, to get us through it, to take care of us. And it's important that we come together as a community to understand that, that the power of how um, how difficult this is just on our emotional well-being. Yes. <laughs> I'd so, say that since all this started, I've... Um, I've probably had this discussion with people that, you know, that difficult discussion with people, I'd say three or four times more than I've had in the past years of working. Like, I mean, it's just, you'll have an average month, but maybe you'll never, you'll never have that discussion with a patient. You know, you, you'll say it, but it's, you have to make this decision right now. It's more like the, something you might want to think and discuss with your family. Okay, do you do you want this or not? You know what I mean? I mean, it's not mm-hmm. quite that urgent. We try not to put it that way, but it's, it's a hard decision to make. Absolutely. Um, that That is, and any, if anybody out there has ever experienced that, I know, I mean, I know what that conversation is like, Steph, but to be on your side, on the side of the nurses and the doctors and the healthcare workers and people that are, uh, I mean, and nurses in particular, this is, it's just got to be so overwhelming uh, and heavy on you. I wonder sometimes how you guys feel about the term hero, <laughs> because I think, I, I think you're a hero. I think you're amazing, but I know there's a little bit of, um, that puts so much pressure on you guys. And what you need is the support for your community to support what you're doing and really appreciate it because no matter what, any of us could happen in the hospital at some point may not be from this. We want our, our healthcare system to be strong. I think, isn't that a, an important message, Heather? Yeah, we, we do. We, um, we definitely need support from the community. Um, and, and it's getting old. I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here and beg that everybody looks out of those heroes. Like, I joke around with my family because there was one day that everybody happened to be up early. Usually people are asleep when I uh, leave. But um, they were all up. They were going to do something. I can't remember what he had planned with them. But um, I came out, and I was in my, my scrubs, and I... When I'm going in on, on COVID, I'll have, you know, a, some sort of a head, head wrap or something going. Um, and, and I walked in and I was like, Hey guys, I'm going front line, hashtag front line. And they're like, bye mom. And, and then I'd walk into the next room and I'd say, hashtag healthcare hero, hashtag, you know, <laughs> just, just joking around with the kids and they're all like, bye mom. You know, you know it's early. They don't care. They're just like, yeah, I'm okay. Whatever. <laughs> and, and that's kind of how we feel, you know, and then. So it's kind of, I mean, we're happy to, we're happy that people would look to us that way. It's, it's, it's kind of awkward because it's something that, uh, 
it's like talking about moms. You know, you do that like one one time a year where you're you know, on Mother's Day saying, wow, mom, you really did a lot today. We really appreciate you, you know. Or, uh-huh. uh, we're the housewives of the medical industry, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's, um, it, it's, uh, it's humbling, but, but we feel like it's an important job, and we don't take it lightly. And until now, it hadn't really been something I've always thought, well, police are putting themselves out there in, in front of guns, and the firemen are going up buildings, and now... Now I am kind of seeing it as I'm going into a room that a guy has a leaky BiPAP and that's aerosolizing the virus. And so I'm going into a room that my N95 is only 95% uh, working and I'm about to be, you know, exposed a little bit. And the more you get, the the worse the exposure. But so far I haven't had a, a viral load that's enough to make me sick. So it's you know, you are, you do realize, huh, I am kind of, uh, I'm, I'm not throwing myself on a bullet, but I am definitely stepping into well, an area that I'm not afraid of it. I mean, I think that that's something that, that needs to be known. It, we can't be afraid of something and hide, and hide from it. We have to learn as much as we can about it. Know how yeah, to I think so. Right. And I think part of the message is important to get across that it's not fear. Being prepared is not being fearful. <laughs> It's right. not the same. Uh, and you all are not afraid, but you know the risks. You know how we can uh, help stop the spread and, and make a difference to make it a little easier for all of you and for the rest of us. Uh, it's precautions, and precautions mm-hmm. are not fear. This has been a, a really strange time and uh, <laughs> understatement of the century, but we are – collectively trying to figure figure out how to cope. And I think definitely hearing from people that are actually there, not watching it on TV, not looking at other areas of the world or our country, but here in the Permian Basin, I think it's critical. I mean, I appreciate you letting us uh, talk to you about um, like what a day's like. Well, I, I am really appreciative of, uh, of how Sinners has been uh, working with the community. I, I think y'all have always done a great job. Um, on a on a personal note, you know, my uh, my first three children were adopted through foster care, um, and then I had a baby that same year. Because four any four kids in a row, you know, <laughs> in a year is hilarious to God. I think that's fun. And um, so that's. Uh, you know, we, we've used centers in the past uh, with some counseling with our children, and um, just just knowing how wonderful of a resource you guys are, and, and now that we're seeing it for the for the healthcare community, you know, community that is is fighting this, it's it's uh, it's very touching, and we we really appreciate it a lot because um, we all kind of realize that we're going to be a little a little messed up. You know, we're kind of watching ourselves. We we have little jokes about. When this first started, thinking, you know, I thought I was fine. I'm sitting here thinking it's fine, and then all of a sudden I'm out of gin, or all of a sudden I drank a six pack, and you're thinking, whoa, this is affecting me. And so a lot of us have stopped drinking. You know, a lot of us are like, okay, let's watch ourselves a little extra. And when we see somebody stressed out, how are you? You know, and because we know what to watch for. Um, and so I feel like having a resource and knowing that there's not going to be a stigma, you know, and 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 just making sure that we're maintaining ourselves and getting our outlets that we need. I think that that's a, it's a wonderful resource and we really appreciate it.
Well, I, one thing we talk about a lot right now is I think 2020 has basically canceled the stigma of mental health. <laughs> I mean, it is gone. Um, we've never been more truly aware of it. Um, and it's something, you know, it's, there's always this conversation about, you know, mental health awareness and making sure people understand this is part of our overall health or, you know, it's part of physical health, mental health. But now I think we, we are all in this, in this world where it's constant discomfort, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, we have to look for a little laughter and look for a little joy, but the reality is it's just, there isn't, um, it's not like an event that you know is going to be over. We don't know what's going to happen. It's uh, the uncertain. And so at some point we have to try to take care of each other. And, and hopefully, I mean, you all are taking care of us, and, and we're grateful for that. Uh, we want to be able to give back and do the same. And so many members of our community are of the same mindset. Um, hopefully that, that will continue to grow, and, and we'll find a way to, come together as human beings and avoid some of the social media. Cause I, I really don't think that's truly reflective of what's inside of us. I know I can yeah. talk to people that are, you know, I'm, I'm annoyed with their posts and then I have a conversation with them and it reminds me, don't just stop looking at that. You've, you've got to have these human connections. There's, there's nothing better than that. No, there's not when we need it. We, we definitely need it desperately. So, gosh, Heather, I can't thank you enough for joining us. This was thank you great. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like the whole time on the um, I've been on the verge of tears trying not to cry. Thank you for everything. Um, this is this oh. re- um, really meant a lot, and I think has given us a lot to think about. I really appreciate it. I hope you all stay well and stay safe. Thank you. Center Solutions is a production of the Recording Library of West Texas. Post-production work is done by Bailey Hennis. Content is provided by Melanie Size and Christy Edwards. Contact Centers for Children and Families at 432-570-1084 or the Recording Library 432-682-2731. Email Melanie with questions you want answered on the show at msize at centerstexas.org. That's M-S-A-I-Z at C-E-N-T-E-R-S-T-X dot O-R-G. Both nonprofits are on all social media platforms. See you next time.